From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas, first chair, and uh, we're not going to be saying a whole lot tonight. We've got Jonathan Ballou, Matt Boyd, Brenna Kelleher joining us on Keeping It Simple. So, few words tonight, everybody? Yes. Yes. Perfect. So, um, Brenna, let's start with you. I, I was reading teaching snow sports and came across this quote from Albert Einstein that uh, it's something close to if you can't say it simply you don't know it well enough how does that apply to us in snow sports you know George you would start with me wouldn't you of course (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think in snow sports it applies to us by being able to take the student through an exercise with less words, but more movement and more skiing down the hill. That was very clear and concise. Jonathan? What she said, how's that for simple? Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, George, you ever had a a trainer that uh, unloaded a tremendous amount of information to you and just confused the heck out of you? Yes. Yeah, we all have done that. I've, I've done that to people plenty. Here's the thing. What they, what they unloaded onto you was simple to them, but not simple to you. And they probably didn't understand it well enough to modify and say only what you needed to make their concept that was simple in their head simple to you. So I think what it really gets down to is we try to learn as much as we possibly can. We know everything we possibly can about the sport. We try to. That's our goal. Not so that we can tell people everything about it, but we can tell them only what they need. If you don't know enough, you're going to have to tell them too much. So, Matt, I'd like you to expound a bit on what Jonathan just said because, I mean, you've spent a lifetime working toward the national team, getting all this knowledge. Don't you just want to share everything you know with everybody? Well, I, you know, I think this is um, this is such a, a classic quote because we as instructors are responsible for so much knowledge and such a breadth of knowledge. And we've got to, as Brenna said, we've got to know exercises and stuff to do on the hill. We're also responsible for teaching styles and learning theory and biomechanics and physics. And, and I think it can get um, clouded in the instructor's mind that, you know, they do need to know a lot, um, and they need to share a lot, and and that's not necessarily the case. Our job is to make it simple to the guest, and and the better you know it, um, the the better you're able to make it simple for that guest, and not share all the the minutia and the details of of everything that we're responsible for knowing. And Brenna, I'd like for you to address something Jonathan said as well, which was, have you had a trainer asking me that question? But I mean, to them, what they were saying is simple. How do we put ourselves in a situation where we aren't over talking, but we are sharing enough information? Well, I think the biggest clue is your audience engagement. If they're getting excited about what you're saying and they're staying on track and you're seeing changes, I think that's your first clue. Um, but just as Matt and Jonathan were saying is we're, we're all guilty of having been a little too long winded at times. Um, and I think that's also due to sometimes getting a group and people they're in your presence and they just want to know everything. 
And that's the other part of the trainer's job is to know when to help the student to that say that's enough. Because, you know, a lot of people, they're so excited to go ski, go out with their trainers and they just want to know everything right then and there. But then you're, you're overloading them with all that information. You get sucked into doing that as well. Now, Jonathan, Brent is talking about trainers. Um, do we handle that different in a training situation than we would in a lesson? No. Okay, let's I'm move on to Matt. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> now, Jonathan, with that one-word answer of no, you're taking me back to when I taught speech when I was in graduate school. And uh, as a, it was kind of along the lines of, of this as a lesson. Uh, we were doing a little bit of debate. I gave the students one minute to respond, but they could only use one word for that minute. And the only word they could say was the and so it really made them, first, they looked at me like I was the biggest jerk in the world. But second, it made them really start to think about inflection and how they spoke. And it was amazing the change that happened when people did that. So, Jonathan, what I'm getting at here is, is, is it almost important how we say something to our students as uh, what we're saying to them? Uh, absolutely. And Matt, can you expound on that with one word? Yes. Brenna? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's take this to another level. When we're keeping it simple, how do we do that? Keep something simple, yet make sure that what we're saying is actually getting through to someone. Brenna? Well, I think... The first way to keep it simple is to know your student, have a little bit of a background on them, ask them questions, um, because that's going to tell you how to speak to them, how to relate to them. Jonathan, uh, five word minimum. Five word minimum? I can definitely go longer than five words. That's not a problem at all. Um, <laughs> I agree with with what uh, with, with what Brenna said. Uh, I'll just add a little bit. The the um, past knowing a student, you have to know how little information to give to them. To be able to do that, you have to understand your subject matter, whatever it is you're trying to communicate, so well that you can pick the minimum amount of information that's tailored and appropriate to the person in front of you. Otherwise, it's likely to either be verbose or inaccurate. <laughs> So, Matt, I think we're having the, the crackle in Jonathan's phone to really drive this point home. <laughs> um, again, how it, it's so tough to do this, and we talk about it a lot, but, I mean, I've gone out on trainings, and uh, I'll ask someone to describe a certain part of a turn, whatever the teaching task is, and ask them to do that in as few words as possible, and I'll videotape them. And when a person then watches that, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I talk so much. That's that's usually the reaction I get. Why is that? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. We're talking about teaching skills. But to me, this is why I'm so glad that within the Learning Connection, we break out people skills. Because that person, that individual that you're talking about, recording them in their teaching if they can become more self-aware of what their tendencies are, then knowing what their tendencies are, they can start to manage that. 
but also it's not just the self-awareness, it's the social awareness. I think when we're at a bar or we're in a, in a social in, in, uh, environment, we can tell when we're boring people or we can tell when people don't understand the thing that we're saying. But sometimes when we're out, whether it's in an exam or it's, it's actually teaching a guest, we're so caught up in what we're doing that we miss the social cues that we get back from them that tell you that, yeah, I get it, or I don't have any clue what you're talking about. And, and that piece, I think, is going to help us as instructors down the line, becoming more aware of our tendencies and becoming more aware of, of the reactions coming back from our, our guests. You know, I like what Matt just said about social cues. How can we pick up on those, Brenna, when people are wearing a helmet and goggles and it's it's hard to see facial expressions and things? I think the best way to pick up on it is to see if they're they're actually engaged. You know, um, even though they you can't necessarily see their eyes, their body language will say a lot. Jonathan, could you expound on that a little bit? I don't know if there's much need to. What Brenna said is, is pretty spot on. Body language tells you a tremendous amount. Um, and it can tell you as much as some of the finer details of facial expression as to engagement. And Matt, I guess another way you can tell is if uh, people are actually asking questions about what you're saying or they're uh, actually performing the way you're asking them to move. Right. Are they... Are they... Are they asking questions? Are they just past the point of asking questions because they're so far lost that they're just cold and shut off? Um, do they lean in when you speak? Do they nod when you speak? Um, do they? Does their facial expression change if you can see through their goggles? And like you said, does their performance ask questions? Does their performance say, okay, they get it? Or does their performance say, yeah, no, they don't get it? So those are, those are things to watch for. And, and I think Brenna hit the nail on the head, you know, that nonverbal communication speaks loud and clear. And Brenna, I don't know if anybody's picked up on it, but I have been trying to ask some questions that are very easy to answer with one word uh, <laughs> because I really wanted that to stand out. Uh, in the way that we ask our questions to our students, what are some things we can think about when we're asking those open-ended questions where you aren't going to get a one-word response? I would say... When you're asking those types of questions, look look for understanding. Do they respond confidently? Do they respond with another question? That's how you're you're going to best know if you are taking them down the right road. And Jonathan, if our guest responds with a question, that's really not telling us that we're not being clear enough or anything like that. I mean, that actually shows they're actually engaged, doesn't it? Sure, they're engaged. Um, the question itself may tell you if you're being clear enough. So Matt, how do we train this with our new hires and returners? And how do we get this into our staff where um, we are starting to keep it simple? Yeah. Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, George. I, I think um, it's, it's not a matter of necessarily just how. It's that we, we need to start emulating this within our training clinics. And, and we've all, every single one of us, has been in a training clinic, probably more than one, 
where it's not been simple. It's been overly technical. And all that we do is we tell that new hire that in your clinics, it should be very hard to understand and very overly technical. Um, our job is to keep things simple, but at the same time, you know, you asked earlier, do we need to train differently than we teach? And, and to an extent, because an instructor is responsible for so much more knowledge, we need to convey a little bit of knowledge, but we need to find ways to make it so that they don't feel the need to share that, all that knowledge with their guests. Brenna, why has it taken us so long to uh, hit on these points? I think it's taken, I, I just, I think the way people are responding to learning, especially nowadays, it's, you have such a short time period to grasp their attention and keep it and get that knowledge to them that it's actually changed over time. I mean, that's just a theory. Who knows? Um, but just watching people over the past even 10 years and the type of staff that comes in and how easily they, they can be lost is um, really quickly and more and more evident. So I think we, it, it, it hasn't taken us a long time to get here. I think we're just changing with, we're evolving with how the students are learning. And I think that's really important. George, can I hop on that? Absolutely. So I, I think Brenna is right. Things have changed over the past decade, maybe two in, in this podcast is a classic example. Um, the advent of, of online forums and, and discussion panels and the community and, and e-learning and, and podcasts give us either a written or a verbal form of communicating that 30 years ago we didn't have. 30 years ago, our ski school training was doing tasks. You'd go out and do hop turns for your, your training clinic where through this advent of all of this communication, people have just gotten used to learning through either the written or the spoken word. And then they learn to expect that in their clinics. And we have bred through our training and through all of this, uh, a more verbal approach to, to teaching and learning. And, and I think it's important that we, we start to shift that gear a little bit when we're actually on the snow. Jonathan, if our connection works here, I'd love for you to answer this question. Um, do you take this as any different if you've got an hour with a student, two hours, or a full day with them? It seems to me like it can be very easy if you're on a short time period that uh, we want to just cram all the information we can get into that person so that they get their money's worth. Um, but that really isn't the case. Uh, no, I having taught um, a number of years in New Zealand, um, 21 or something like that, the... Um, and, and spent far too many hours of my life teaching one-hour lessons. That is the, um, while it may be the expectation of the guests that I'm going to milk this hour for everything that I, I can, it does not serve them, does not do them any justice. And uh, we as instructors or pros um, need to tailor the information we can put forth in an hour tailored to an hour. And Brenna, Matt, kind of in conclusion, the same question to you with a little different tilt to it. How do we become good at organizing our lesson where we can meet this person and develop a, a lesson plan when we've only got 
you know, limited amount of time with them um, to de deliver an effective lesson. Brenna? I think the first thing is just be engaging right off the bat. Make sure that you know, make sure that they know that you care and you um, are asking questions so that you can find the best outcome. Matt? I think um, you know, a little bit of that answer lies within the teaching fundamentals. Um, you know, if you collaborate with your guests and you determine with your guests uh, an attainable goal, you know, your knowledge tells you whether or not their goal is attainable or not. You modify that based, you know, based on what time you have. And then you set some short-term objectives to get there. Just that simple, that's one of the teaching fundamentals. And that simple one alone helps you organize your lesson by setting an attainable goal and objectives to get there. Um, I, that to me is a, a good place to start. And to wrap up, just a final sentence or two from each of you in conclusion. Jonathan? Keep it simple. Brenna? Jonathan, you took mine. Uh, keep it simple. Keep it fun. Matt? Uh, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Is there that one? <laughs> I, I, I am going to add something else because we started with just Real quickly here, George, you started with the statement, uh, one of those Einstein quotes on, on, on simplicity. If you can't say it simply enough in parentheses that a um, six-year-old can understand it, uh, you don't understand it well enough. There's a counterpoint to that statement, which is another Einstein quote on simplicity, which is everything should be made as simple as possible and no simpler. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> that clears it up. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Brenna Kelleher, Jonathan Ballou, Matt Boyd, I sure appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with us here on First Chair. Thanks so much. Thanks, George. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. From the PSI ASI studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.